0: F.Y.R.D. is Poe's mentor.
1: <laughs> At that point, it was always going to be Leia. Could have
0: been Baby Yoda. <laughs> wow, what a huge oversight. There's just a hole in the Death Star, like, what the <laughs> heck, you know? Just, like, board that up or something, you know? Then jumped onto Wikipedia and was like, oh, there it is. I've refused to get on the work as um, as Spirit lovingly refers to it. You're listening to the Star Wars Archives. A Uteni.com Patreon exclusive podcast, your regular deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Star Wars universe, discussion, analysis, Easter eggs, and obscure books you've never heard of. And now here are your
1: hosts, Jose and Trevor. Hello there and welcome to episode 3 of the Star Wars Archives, a UTD podcast where we take some random Star Wars topic and explain the living Bantha Pudu out of it. I am Jose, aka Jaxi, in the UT I have watched all Star Wars canon movies and TV shows. I have read 38 Star Wars books and I own only 9 of them. And I'm Trevor, keeper of the timeline
0: pages over at Utini.com. I've spent my entire life consuming Star Wars media and currently own 927 Star Wars books and graphic novels, 150 single-issue comics, and 70 issues of various Star Wars magazines. <laughs> I love adding extra bits on every week.
1: I, I appreciate that. I'm also noticing here on our little scripted intro that you wrote yourself as Trev. Is that a nickname for you, or did you just decide not to add the OR? As no,
0: I'll be completely honest. Everyone calls me Trev. Trev. Trev is what I'm known as, but because my usernames have been Trevor across Discord and Utini and everything, and I'm kind of used to everyone in Utini calling me Trevor now. But realistically, okay. you know, everyone calls me Trev.
1: Alright, so maybe I'll I'm gonna try to give that a try or give it a go. And we'll see how if I remember to call you Trev as we move forward. But anyways, um Trev slash Trevor can you remind our listeners about the format of this show? Okay, so
0: we're aiming for a largely unscripted show here, where um, once we've decided on each episode's topics, Jose's going to do whatever research he needs. I will try to do as little research as possible. I'm I'm going to take some notes because I've got a terrible memory. Uh, un- unbelievably. <laughs> um, we could talk about anything Star Wars related. Legends, canons, books, comics, TVs, video games, uh, miscellaneous newspaper clippings, you name it throw in a few regular features that we're trying to get together and hopefully we'll keep you entertained and informed.
1: That's right and on today's episode we are going to be discussing something we're going to do something a little bit different than I mean it's only been two other episodes but (laughs) um, so we're still trying to figure out you know what works and what doesn't but today we decided to highlight two specific characters instead of just going out you know super broad on a topic and then just Bring up every single book and we're talking about imperial ray sloan and rebel wedge antilles so um yeah trevor what do you think how is this gonna work out the
0: one thing i've always said is i don't want this podcast to come
1: across like wikipedia the audiobook
0: Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of information to throw out there so we're just gonna we're gonna try and keep it light but deep if that makes sense
1: I mean, that's the point of the show, right? You know, we want to inform, but still has to be fun for whatever 40 minutes, an hour, however long this ends up being. Um, But uh, yeah, before we get started, um, let's do a little bit of uh, housekeeping. Um, So I want to remind our listeners that, you know, guys, we we do want your feedback, suggestions, and questions. Trevor has, uh, you know, a whole bunch of books and a whole lot of knowledge. So if you do have any random question that you want to know and you don't feel like opening a browser and w- looking and reading through Wiki- Wikipedia, then that's why we're here. And we'll probably make it a little bit more enjoyable than reading through a whole bunch of text. So email us at dswarchives at gmail.com. Send us a note over Discord. And we do have a couple of exciting episodes coming up. So uh, one of the... Uh, upcoming episodes is going to just be a, a recap of episodes three through eight of the current season of the mandalorian I and mean, we we did episodes one and two as our first episode and i know that trevor is a little nervous about this one because there's a lot of content there from legends isn't there and a lot of do, you, do you remember
0: when we managed to fill an episode just talking about dragons and spiders? Yes. Think about what's happened since then. <laughs> <laughs> and we only get, we, we have to do this in one
1: episode, right? That is the plan. <laughs> but I have I mean, said, if we need to split it into a two-parter, just so that people can. You know. The thing is,
0: so much <laughs> of it has been discussed to death already and will be by the time we get to the end. That's so, true. But, you know there's no point this show focusing on the fact that ahsoka's in live action right or, or anything like that when you know i'm already planning the dark troopers deep dive and all that sort of thing yes. so I'm, I'm sure we'll find an angle
1: yeah and we do have um uh just for you guys to know we uh we did just release uh a youtube video talking about dark troopers um i believe it was nathan who who was in that in that video and he did a really good job on that um and also we do have the bounty hunt um podcast where they are covering you know easter eggs and just uh, recapping every episode of the mandalorian so and also that podcast is hilarious and everyone should listen to it it is great so what we're hoping to do is, you know, maybe we'll just hit on some of the topics that they've touched on on that um, on that podcast, and hopefully give more information about something that they didn't really get that deep into, because that is what we are trying to do here, right? Um, and then we have another episode that we will be recording in the upcoming weeks, and this is uh, this is gonna be. An episode with a special guest. It is Utini's very own uh, Masamita. He is the host of The Living Force, The Ghost Crew, Bounty Hunt, Lightspeed Skipping. I mean, he's just the host of everything except for maybe this podcast and cafes. Um, and well, let's just look back. Yeah, and we're talking about Eric Eilerson. And uh, I mean, what are we going to be talking about in an episode with Eric?
0: Well, firstly, I don't know how he's going to squeeze us in. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many hours are in a day that he's not recording podcasts. Yes. But who else could it be? Eric's favorite character, our lord and savior, his words, not mine, Bail Organa. And again, we're not going to do a full Wikipedia history of the character, but hopefully I'll introduce Eric to some Bale stories and you guys that you've never heard of before.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I'm looking forward to that. I want to see what... Eric doesn't know about him, and then we will see if um, at the end of the episode if he is still Eric's uh, lord and savior. That will, you know, remains to be seen. I Um, I don't think we're going to change his mind. (laughs) All right. So, um, why don't we just get on with the with today's topic, right? Let's get started. Yeah, absolutely. Or do you have anything else to say? No. Let's go. Okay. So. Yes, today we're talking about Ray Sloan and Wedge Antilles. Ray. Yes. What can you tell us about her? I mean, um, just very briefly, and then we'll deep dive. But well, let's, tell let's us just, just like, let's just you know. start
0: with her introduction into canon, which yeah. is um. So she was introduced in a new dawn, written by John Jackson Miller, released in September 2014, which is what. Three months after the Disney sellout was uh, announced, so this was this was written more or less as a Legends novel, but it ties into to Rebels, and it happens to be the first canon novel, which primarily covers how Kanan and Hera met met, um, but it also introduces Ray Sloan, um, and yeah, we'll we'll come back to this book in a bit, but that's her her introduction into
1: canon. That's right, and you know, ever since then, I counted. Um, different appearances and, and mentions, and she's actually appeared in eleven stories, and she's uh, has been directly and indirectly mentioned in seven other uh, stories, like Star Wars stories. So she's definitely a character that, since uh, since appearing in A New Dawn, has gotten a lot of uh, I mean backstory and just uh, there's just a lot about her, and that is why we we wanted to talk about a um, little well, about her today. Um,
0: and, and we're going to cover a few of those stories, because, you know, for anyone who's read some of the canon novels that, that she's in, and, you know, she's a fully fleshed out, rounded character, She's she's um, been given a lot of attention, but there's loads of stories people might not realize exist and are out there, and that's what we're going to cover a few
1: of. Right. And before we get into that, I do want to, I mean, I wanted to get your opinion on this, because I, um, and I don't know if there's a lot of other characters like this in Legends or just in the history of, of Star Wars outside of, uh, of you know, the movies that we all know. Uh, but to me, I mean, she's one of the things that first struck me about Ray Sloan is that well, she is a woman of color in the working for the Empire, um, and I mean, in the original trilogy, I don't think we see a lot of people of color working in the Empire. I, I mean. <laughs> it's all no there's like no it, it, aliens it there's no it's all just white people like people just yeah exactly working for the and empire, right
0: <laughs> and and i think if if you you know if you're basing yourself in the 70s but i mean the whole point of the empire straight from george lucas is the empire is xenophobic mm-hmm. um i don't think in today's culture anyone would say that this this is my tech. I could be completely wrong. Feel free to correct me at any point, but I don't yeah. think anyone would call the Empire racist. I don't think if you were gonna portray the Empire on screen now, skin colour for humans wouldn't matter. It's for lack of aliens and the treatment towards aliens but that's their xenophobia.
1: Does that make sense? I I mean it, it makes sense how to me and how um how the empire is being portrayed nowadays a little bit more because they are yeah. introducing characters like ray sloan
0: um and in the 70s it was all english white actors exactly because they sounded villainous exactly but <laughs> and they were probably cheap
1: yeah <laughs> because it's just i mean um they they do seem to try to um just say that yeah human hu- it's just humans and aliens essentially yeah, right. human so, superiority. Yeah, I mean, there's still a little bit of, uh, I mean, and I think that would still fall a little bit into the xenophobia type of thing, perhaps. But there's definitely an something that ha- you know with uh, with what region you're from in the, in in the galaxy. So if you're from the outer region, even if even if you're still human, you're still you're seen as lesser than. And oh, absolutely! Yeah, there's still a lot of classism. Exactly. So. I mean, and we don't know because a lot of these stories that we do hear about from people in the outer regions and all that, um, we you know they're all written. So some of these characters, we don't really know what skin color they have or anything like like that. Um,
0: but it is it is definitely you know it's it's, it's notable the fact yes. that such a such a character who becomes has become so prominent in canon yes is like you say a, a, a woman of color in a position of power in the empire yeah
1: no absolutely and and i i mean i, I think this we do have to credit uh disney and the folks over there uh th- you know that have been creating these stories since since the disney takeover to really just try to to diversify the characters within star wars and also just be more inclusive and um like i'm just thinking of other female characters um, of color also um, in the in these stories, like I mean, Aiden Versio, so because her the actress that portrays her for uh, in a uh, Battlefront two, she's uh, she's Indian. We also have Doctor Afra in the comic books. who is of I mean Asian descent as well. Um, we have Erica Quell in Eclipso Squadron. She is described to have like dark skin. I mean, we don't we haven't seen her very much in like being drawn or anything, but that's another one um we all another um video game character we in jedi fallen order second sister uh she is uh you know also called uh trilla suduri so that's portrayed by elizabeth grulon who is hispanic um so her parents are from the dominican republic um, and, and
0: that one I, I completely forgot about that character mm-hmm. until you um until you put it in the notes and
1: she's really i mean she's awesome i mean she, the actress did an amazing job and that's like, you know, you can see here, there's a good number of Imperial uh, women of color, <laughs> like that they've been adding to, to the character roster in, in star Wars. But I do want to sidebar a little bit with, uh, with this actress, just because um, when I learned that she is uh, Hispanic, that she is uh, Latina, uh, you know, I am from Puerto Rico. So, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm, Hispanic as well. So I just sort of uh, I decided to look and see what are some of the other Hispanic characters in uh, or Latin X characters in the Star Wars universe and you know we there weren't a lot in the OT but you know starting with Bell Organa, Jimmy Smith, you know he he is uh, he is Hispanic and then we also have of course um, Oscar Isaac as Poe. We have Diego Luna as Cassian Andor. Um, Lupita Nyong'o, who plays mascanada She is half Mexican. Um, Pedro Pascal, you know, the Mandalorian. He is Chilean. But al-
0: al- also, can I just point out yeah. that even the people you've named yeah. show a massive diversity, even within Hispanic, you know, his- Hispanic actors. So none of this is cliched or stereotypes all of these people are chosen for their acting abilities and you know the diversity it's 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 everywhere and it's it's fantastic yeah
1: no it's uh it it is i mean you know that's the thing that also just at least with uh hispanic people is that i mean we at least here in the u.s we're usually like clumped into just one group but within latinx culture there's a huge diversity just because there's so many different countries and, and you know it's all of South America and, you know, and then the Caribbean. So there is a good diversity within, within the cult- different cultures that are classified as Latino. Um, but, and yeah, I mean, these are all also just great actors. And I mean, there's a handful, there's like three more or something, two more that I, I had saved for last just because they are also from Puerto Rico as I am. And that is the voice of Kanan Jarrus, Freddie Prince Jr.
0: See, I never knew he, he was from
1: yeah, Puerto Rico at yeah, all. I believe his dad is from Puerto Rico. And that's... Or I don't know if his mom is. Um, but then the other one would be Benicio Del Toro, who plays DJ in The Last Jedi, who, by the way, he's... A, I'm related to him. He's actually my cousin. Shut so, up. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is like my mom's... like second or third cousin but uh yeah i mean i've never met him so we're not is that like we're close cousins but what, what, what why what why what <laughs>
0: what i have questions <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can ask that or if i able to answer it it's just a cool fact that i my blood is within the star wars universe
0: why have you not turned up on his doorstep going uh yeah so uh
1: We're related, and tell me more Star Wars. (laughs) Um, Well, if I had his address, I would definitely do that. I know that my mom, uh, about a decade ago, did run into him in some restaurant, and they, like, connected, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, because we're related because of this and that. My mom used to spend the summers in, like, like, his cousin's, like, house in Puerto Rico or something. I don't even know exactly, but, yeah, so... I'm I'm excited that um that Disney and Lucasfilm and you know and all those folks are just you know adding a lot more diversity into all the stories.
0: And I I think I think it's become it's become standard now. It's almost become um I don't know whether expected is the right word, but the conversation's almost moved on. You expect diversity. You it's it's when the people fall short of a mark but it becomes the conversation rather than oh look they've put a person of color in a in a book does that make sense do you know what i mean
1: yeah and i you know i think it's yeah and it's it's good that it's a norm it's good that for us like that we are able to see more more of ourselves being represented in there and i like also that then within the within star wars universe that they don't necessarily make a big deal out of it that they try to normalize it as much as they can and that's that's the one thing
0: in the last couple of years i've i've read people doing blog posts and everything about how they like you just said how they see themselves in styles you know listen i'm a 44 year old white man so (laughs) with blonde hair so when i was a kid i was luke skywalker yeah but that's not the same for everyone so you know like you said you see um you say kane and uh or you know dj and you think you know for little kids they're going to want to be that character
1: that's right no it's it's uh it's I, I mean in general it's it's definitely an important thing to include and to be inclusive like this and um, but yeah i mean you know going back to just how how they do try to normalize these things within universe and how they do give a role like a pretty high and important role to Ray Sloan. Uh I mean, I think that's, that's what we're talking about today.
0: Yeah. So. And, um, and we're going to come back to, to some of that as well. Um, we're going to cover some of, uh, some of the stories she's been in, but then, yeah, we're going to do some, uh, do some generic sort of, well, not generic, but, uh, far reaching chat afterwards. Yes. So should we, should we go, should we go deep?
1: That should be our catchphrase. It's a bit weird. But. Should we go deep? All right. We'll we'll keep. We'll need a jingle with that uh, for a future episode. Um, yeah. So she was born in forty one B B Y. Yes. From so, there.
0: so the the book the book we talked about earlier, New Dawn, set eleven years before A New Hope. Um, that was published in September twenty fourteen. The following spring, uh, a story appeared in Insider Magazine number 157 called Orientation, set three years before A New Dawn, so 14 years before A New Hope. It's the first chronological appearance of Rey. Um, she's a l- lieutenant serving aboard an Imperial cruiser as a navigator. Mm-hmm. There's some shenanigans. It's a tie-in to the Lords of a Sith paperback. Uh, but her observations essentially help alert Darth Vader to an assassination attempt on his life. Nice little story, she didn't have a massive part. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that the same story is the f- technically the first appearance of Hera Syndulla um, because oh. her father, Cham, is a uh, key player in this story and Lords of the Sith novel that it ties into, and he mentions his daughter Hera. So so yeah, there's a lot going on in a very short story there. And again, also written by John Jackson Miller, who wrote A New Dawn, and you'll find that he's He's written quite a few Ray Sloan stories over the last five years, and we'll get to a lot of them as well. So, have you read that
1: one? I'd, I have I'd be read a New Dawn. I have not read this insider story. Like, like I said, it's, it's a short one, but it, it's it's yeah. worth seeking out. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm interested in that, um, and because uh, well, especially now that we're I'm going to be learning all this new stuff about <laughs> Ray Sloan. Um, but I, you know, I, I do find her character really interesting. And uh, like, I, you know, just what she has been able to do and, and racing through the ranks um, of the Empire. Um, I'm very curious to know, yeah, how she actually even got started. And and I did see, uh, I think I saw a drawing or something of, of her with Vader. And I, and I think it was for from that story. Yeah, and it's it's I mean it's just cool. Like I mean, you know, Vader obviously being such an iconic character, and then just putting him right next to, or you know, putting Ray Sloan next to him. I think that already gives her that level of importance because not everyone gets to stand next to Darth Vader.
0: And there's, there's a really interesting exchange in in that book as well, where sort of Vader questions her and goes, "Oh, you know." You're afraid to to talk to me, to you know, to tell me what you're thinking. And she mm-hmm. goes, "No, not really. I just, I just don't want to throw my superior under a bus." And, and, at, that, and at that point, you know, because she's sticking oh. to she's sticking to loyalty, and it's not fear; it's more, you know, it's misguided loyalty. She's like, you know, I, 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 I know you know what you want me to tell you, but if I do that, I'm, a, you know, I'm a bit of a snitch kind of thing. Um, oh, jeez. And that, that's a really good exchange. That's a really good start to the character, though, because her, her loyalty to the Empire is for one... It's for one through with, with her yeah. character, through all these stories.
1: Oh, man. You know, I love these women in these stories, because, I mean, doctor I'm going to throw in Dr. Afra into this in, in, as well, just because these are women that are just not afraid to, yeah. like, talk to Vader. And you see all these... All these men in the in the movies just like trembling to talk to like to Darth what, Vader. The
0: ones p- pulling their neck expecting them to get yeah. choked any minute.
1: Yeah, and these um, women just like give no fucks about it. It's like nope. You know if, this is actually if we um
0: if we if we jump forward a bit actually because um yeah. I'm gonna to come to this story in a bit, but the the story in the recent uh, from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back, where mm-hmm. Ray Sloan is talking to newly promoted Admiral Pierre. Well, um, spoilers alert, by the way, for everyone. Um, Well, Vader because I haven't read it, but fine. (laughs) Well, well, Vader's in his his meditation chamber. She doesn't know he's there. Piet's playing the big I am. And it's that, you know, she's earned her rank. She worked her way up. She's earned it through her skills and her abilities. Piet got promoted because someone else made a mistake and got choked. There you go. So it's that worth of but all those old old guys yeah they know they haven't particularly earned their rank so she doesn't need to be afraid because she can stand toe to toe and go hold on i deserve to be here so i think that's really interesting as well
1: yeah i mean you know there's uh, i mean that's definitely a bit of a parallel in, in to real life i think i mean i can't speak for 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 women <laughs> because i'm not one but i mean uh, it's you know it's it's uh, I I think it's also a pretty well-known fact that just how, how much harder um, women in the workplace and, you know, in, in their careers, sometimes they have to work to, to get their promotions and stuff because we do live in a fairly, like, sexist society. And um, so sometimes, like, men just get promoted just for being men and just for being around, but women just have to, have always just had to, have, you know, push that much harder to get the recognition that they deserve. And it's unfortunate, but it's also something that, that does keep happening. But... Um, you know it's it's something that yeah i mean it in this case with ray it's really cool that it's something that is empowering to her that then allows her to speak more freely to the other men in power like vader just because she knows her worth
0: and the the that first story where we were just talking about it, you know she's just a lieutenant she's just uh, a navigator um but she was confident enough in her abilities at that moment in the story but she didn't fear the repercussions based on her, her abilities yeah. um more on the loyalty thing anyway so that's just one short story
1: uh, yeah i mean i i'm super interested now because I, <laughs> I i didn't know that she spoke up to uh to vader and i want to know how that goes so
0: um well it goes pretty well because uh, a year on from that she's a commander where she was only a a lieutenant in that story. So, Bottleneck is the short short story of her next chronological appearance. So, 13 years before Yavin, one year after the last story. Now, Mm -hmm. what's interesting about this is this story was written specifically for The Rise of the Empire Omnibus, which came out in October 15. So, that comprises of the Tarkin novel, the New Dawn novel, as well as two short stories written by John Jackson Miller. Um... And um, for those, I, do, I see it all the time, Tarkin is such a prized hardback, it goes for silly money. Same with a New Dawn, because they were two of the first canon books. Mm-hmm. People will pay $60, dollars 80 $100 for a hardback. Or you can buy this Jeez. paperback for like $10, bucks. that has got two novels <laughs> and two short stories in. Um, I'm not one of those people who, I, I don't care what format the story is on my shelf, I, like, I could have the most battered book in the world as long as it's... Is on my shelf, so anyone who wants to spend hundred dollars on Tarkin, well, buy this one instead. I'm mean, gonna have ninety dollars to spend on other books.
1: Yes. Um <laughs> I mean, you should definitely send, yeah. So a bit uh, of a let's, soapbox. Let's just put <laughs> it up on our on our on our social media. Just pictures of your entire library, just well, showing.
0: We did this with the last episodes, and we'll we'll do it going yes. forward. It's all the different books that we talk about. We'll mm-hmm. try and put them on our Twitter with the links to the utiny pages, so you guys can. You know, find a bit more information as well in case right. in case we skip over something and, and you miss it. Um but anyway, so a year ago she was a lieutenant, uh stood up to Vader, got her superior killed. Um now she's a commander and also executive officer on Tarkin's ship. The Executrix I've been practicing this afternoon how to pronounce yes. that. Executrix. Right. Um <laughs> again <laughs> she's you did got, good. You did good. Yeah, she's got a very small part in this story. Uh her promotion captain happens off screen she basically goes to tarkin and goes yep by the way i've been promoted to captain um but not a lot of fanfare but she's only 28 and a woman that's that's worth mentioning again you know 28 in the empire she she's young um yeah so she gets given temporary command of the ultimatum uh a stardust drawer reassigned by tarkin himself to count Vidian who's an efficiency troubleshooter tasked with increasing productivity on worlds assisted in the construction of new Star Destroyers.
1: That's his title?
0: More or less, but we'll get back to him because he's one of the main antagonists in A New Dawn. Okay. So again, John Jackson Miller's doing that thing where he wrote this story. He's wrote then um, the two short stories that build into this novel which he's introduced in. Um, so it, it really enhances that novel in itself when you read the two short stories that came before, which is what it's what Star Wars EU has always done best. Yeah. Um, so that takes us back to A New Dawn, her first uh, canon appearance. So she's 30 years old and a, a captain in the Imperial Starfleet. That's, that's pretty rare. Um, yeah. So she's still commanding the ultimatum. Um, she... Uh, she brings Count Vidian to the world of Gorse, which, by the way, is Ahsoka's home planet. It's worth mentioning, uh, but this planet provides crystals okay. to be used in turbo cannons. But it's fallen behind, and that's why they've sent this Count Vidian guy because he's a he's a troubleshooter. He's going to go and and crack the whip. So you've said you uh, you've read this book, Jose? Yeah.
1: Yes. What do you think? Can you remember much? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I remember the broad strokes. I. <laughs> The thirty, the thirty-eight books that I mentioned at the beginning <laughs> of the show that I've read—they've all been read this year. So, a lot of these You've stories, read thirty-eight books this year, Jesus! Thirty-eight Star Wars books. Wow! Plus a few others. You know, hey, COVID, right? This is a lot of yeah. time to read and uh, audiobooks and stuff. But you know, I joined YouTini, and all you guys had a lot more books <laughs> under your belt, so I had to catch up. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I do generally remember the story and it's somewhat recent. However, yeah, I mean, it all kind of just blends together at the same time. So I mean, this, this was one of my these chats with you is very helpful because then it helps me organize.
0: Things this has been one of logically. my, uh, yeah, this was one of my favorites out of out of canon so far. Um, but one of the things the book makes really clear is that Sloan is an imperial. She's an Imperial through and through. She believes in the New Order. She believes that Palpatine essentially saved the Republic from a coup by the Jedi traitors. And um, like I said, this book also tells the story of how Kanan and Hera met up. And early on in the book, uh, Sloane and Kanan have a conversation over communicators, essentially due to his bus holding up traffic. I'm not joking. That's pretty much what happens. (laughs) Um, And it's worth pointing out, but at this point on the timeline, Kanan... You Know he's a bus driver and spends most of his yeah. time getting drunk, that's where we're that's at, right? So, that's
1: what I remember the most of, <laughs> of that. It's just how and he yeah, getting into like bar fights, right? Like, he's just yep. sort of like very Jedi lost. If I were to drop in a little bit of a reference to some to another book, but
0: but uh, yeah, so you know, the the side plot, the Rebels plot, shows Kanan and Hera uh teaming up because. Essentially, Count Vidian plans to blow up the moon and steal the crystals from inside it, or or something like that. vaguely right. remember. Um, but Sloane, even though she's an Imperial, she knows that you blow up a moon, you kill innocent lives. This is what I mean about she's she believes in the virtue of the New Order. You know, she believes in security, stability. She doesn't really believe in dropping moons on planets for.
1: Yeah. No so no She she's not evil evil. She no, just no. believes that what the Empire is doing. And for, is for an the Empire right to run, to do things.
0: there has to be a lot of people like her. Um yes. you know, who who maybe you've got to remember before the Empire there was a Clone Wars.
1: Mm-hmm. So if you
0: live through That's three familiar. years of war and then your your planet suffered and somebody comes along and goes, you know, we're gonna make sure that doesn't happen again. If, if there's a lot to believe in
1: yeah and she so so she one of these people that does believe in 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 what the empire is doing i mean does she ever like talk to palpatine or does she ever interact with him uh <laughs> yes in
0: the very first story we talked about at the beginning um orientation oh, So
1: besides vader he, she also interacts with with palpatine
0: yeah uh, it's, it's very briefly, and Palpatine has already killed her boss at that point. Okay. <laughs> um, and again, it's it it's justified in her head because he was trying to kill Vader. Um.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But there's a lot of things you know. There's a lot of people won't see to talk about. Uh. The first thing that popped in my head then was Palpatine from a Lego special that we talked about in the last episode. A lot of people don't see Zappity, Zappity Palpatine; they they just see the working Empire. Um.
1: Yeah, I mean, because I mean, Palpatine does end up. I mean, and I feel like maybe like right after um, the Clone Wars, and you know, um, when uh, you know, right after Order sixty six. I mean, people do respect what Palpatine is doing, right? I mean, that he's. He is really trying to save the galaxy and and everything, and and they don't know what's underneath the robe except for he was attacked by the Jedi. Exactly. People Uh, don't know Sith Lord
0: Palpatine. They just know... Exactly. They don't know Darth Sidious, rather. Um, But
1: he does become a bit of a recluse afterwards, right? Yeah. And then I think that's when people maybe could start questioning what he is doing. And that, that exact
0: plot point, I think, was established in... The original novelization of Star Wars, the fact that mm-hmm. the emperor has become this detached yeah detached person
1: um, so that's yeah that's been a, a a long time so i mean if if Ray I mean obviously this is all speculation unless this actually happened in some story, but do you think that if Ray had met Palpatine in the later years or if they or if she were to interact with him? Would she still like agree with the empire, or would she just think that, yeah, the empire is good, but you're not, and we need to take you out, and we need a new leader?
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna not answer that question, and we'll see what happens in the next couple of books, shall we? But we're gonna talk about.
1: It. Okay, <laughs> go for it. So what, um, what do we have next?
0: So we're still on a new dawn. Um, just to make it clear that Vidian's gonna blow up the moon. Sloan thinks it's a bit bad. Kanan actually ends up bumping into um, Sloan a few more times, disguising himself as an agent of the Empire. Um, mm. And he enlists her help. They kind of work together, but also there's rebels led by Hera and Kanan on the planet doing their own thing. Um, anyway, they, they foil his plan to blow up the moon, and she earns permanent captaincy of the ultimatum. Um, so well, so that leaves us 11 years before Battle of Yavin. She, after New Dawn, she's still a captain, got her own Star Destroyer. Her next appearance is in the Kanan Marvel comic series. I
1: need to read that. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, so, so, really so good. good. <laughs> like, and I, I do read a lot of comics, so that's just been... Well, this is going to be a
0: massive that. spoiler then. Um, I because, mean, it's my literally- own fault. She literally turns up in the last couple of pages of the last issue. So it it doesn't ruin the main story plot at all. Um, But in the last couple of pages, she turns up. She's been looking for Kanan ever since that encounter six years ago. Um, She corners him on the planet Lan. Kanan gets away, but Slowman finds herself approached by the Grand Inquisitor, seeking information on this Jedi guy that she let get away. Which then leads us nicely into the rest of a rebel series when the inquisitor turns up. That's right. Um, so and th- you know that's some great EU right there, just tying all the different pieces together. So straight away we've gone from a character introduced in an adult novel with a couple of short stories turning up in a Marvel's comic series, talking to someone who was introduced in a TV show, mm-hmm. and it works seamlessly.
1: But we don't see her in Rebels, do we? It would have been cool no. if they had. I mean, we, we obviously we, we get Thrawn and, and we get a few other, um, you know, interesting characters in there. But uh, I think it would have been cool if she had shown up. Uh, yeah, because
0: she could have very easily done the um, the Governor Price role
1: if she'd right, found exactly.
0: herself at that point. Um, actually, I don't think she interacts with Thrawn at all. To be fair, I mean, well, that's a story waiting to be told, right there, isn't it?
1: There you go. I mean, we have the opportunity to do that now, in I guess I'm going to spoil, right? <laughs> go watch Mandalorian. They do mention Thrawn, and there's an opportunity for Ray Sloan to show up there now, so why not? I'm, I'm going
0: to save all my theories about what's happening there until <laughs> till the last last episode. Um, okay, <laughs> Okay, but we, d- we don't see anything of Ray slow for eight years. So the next time she turns okay. up is the Battle of Hoth. Um, in the recent, from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back book, again, a short story written by John Jackson Miller. We actually find out that Sloane was demoted for losing Kanan. Oh,
1: interesting. She's still,
0: she's still got her ship, um, the yeah. ultimatum, which is now part of Darth Vader's death squadron fleet. Now again, okay. that's carried over from Legends, is the fact that Vader's got this whole fleet of Star Destroyers hunting for the Rebellion, and that's their prime purpose, Death Squadron, is to look for the Rebellion. Um, yeah. But she's not currently in command of her ship. It's been uh, temporarily given to Captain Cannon House. Now what a great Star Wars name that is.
1: Cannon House?
0: Cannon House. <laughs> H-A-U-S.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Okay.
0: And also it's 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 her Star Destroyer, the ultimatum, but gets destroyed by the asteroid field chasing solo. Oh. A, and I don't think that destroyer was ever named in Legends.
1: No, okay.
0: If if I remember right, I don't think that destroyer was ever named. So now we're in canon, all of a sudden we find that and again, we've followed this Star Destroyer now since yeah. um you know, thirteen years before the Battle of Yavin. So that's yeah. sixteen years of following this this ship, which you know, sixteen years—that's some—that's some good service.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's cool that they're, they're able to do that, right? Because we do see this like ships and things, and sometimes even characters in the background of, of the original trilogy or, or the you know, and and then because they were never named necessarily, then they're able to say, oh yeah, that is where Ray Sloan was, or this that's where you know this character was during during that time. So we're not you know. I guess it's a little bit retconning, but it still fits.
0: Unfortunately for me, I I read this one this afternoon. Um, I've been working my way through the book the last week or so. Um, But this story, I had to jump ahead a couple of stories to. And I'll be honest, I think this one jumps the shark a little bit. So bear with me now. So she wasn't in command of her ship, but she noticed it got destroyed because she was on a shuttle. Essentially, after she got demoted, she'd been palmed off on, you know, Little errand jobs here and there, but she reports that she gives a report to Vader, and essentially after capturing some minox in the asteroid field and doing some Sherlock Holmes stuff and realizing that one had been shot fairly recently, she essentially deduces what had happened to the Falcon based on some Minok corpses, and uh-huh. it's a it's a bit it's a bit much for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> But Vader thinks it's brilliant, you know, she uh, makes Admiral Piet look bad, she gets assigned to the Star Destroyer Vigilance as captain, so she, essentially her status is restored, but the, uh, there's a line in the uh, story where Piet complains that Vigilance was originally due to be given to his nephew, which I think is mm-hmm. great, because that's a possible re of Sarkly Piet. Now, not many people know that name. Um mm-hmm. When I read about Pete's nephew, I'm like something's ringing a bell here. So yeah. I, I had to do some Wikipedia research because I don't I don't know everything. Don't tell anyone, but I don't know everything. <laughs> but once I read it, it all came back to me. He's basically one of the main antagonists from Rogue Squadron Three: Rebel Strike, the video game for the N64 GameCube.
1: There we go.
0: So John Jackson Miller, you know, he knows his stuff. <laughs>
1: I mean, I love how it's just like all, all these things just keep connecting and, and weaving through all these different like media, right?
0: But again, we've got you know we've talked about a pretty comprehensive history of a character so far, yeah. And only one adult novel has been mentioned.
1: That's true. I mean, on well, is it uh is a new dawn considered an, an adult novel? Yeah,
0: yeah. And the rest has all been short stories.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's interesting.
0: Um, um, and then the next one is another short story that takes us right up to Battle of Endor um, and again it's one of the books written for the Rise of the Empire Omnibus so it's it's not in a magazine uh, it's just written for mm. this one release and it shows Sloane at the Battle of Endor and now she's an Admiral so <laughs> you know <clears throat> in nine years she's gone from she was a Vice Admiral, got demoted yeah. then a Captain, got the runaround, now she's back an actual Admiral uh, still commanding the Vigilance. And after the death yeah. of Palpatine, it's Ray Sloan that gives the order to retreat.
1: Jeez. It's, uh, I mean, it's so cool. It's just like, it's all all these little bits of information that keep popping in. About but you the,
0: see that, you actually see the same thing in Battlefront 2 as well. Um, mm. Which, you know, that's, that's great for me. For anyone who's in love with these characters to then play a video game. I mean, you see it in Squadrons as well. Yeah. to see to see Ray Sloane turn up and go you know that that's amazing
1: yeah no it's i mean that's that's why we wanted to do this episode and just i mean basically just talk about her um so i mean yeah so she she keeps showing up um i mean i do want to get to wedge as well but yes. i mean we we know that ray is a fairly prominent character in aftermath so i mean she she does go she keeps popping in and out of these stories she we you know she's around obviously during the you know uh return of the jedi and and the original trilogy stories i mean the the one Um, thing
0: i wanted to talk about ray is that you know we've talked about all these stories and we've talked about how she goes from a lieutenant to admiral of the, the the imperial navy one thing i don't think you necessarily see in these stories is her skill yeah it's 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 a character trait that she's worked her way up but you don't really see a justification for it yeah which which i think is really it's really unfortunate you know and most of her yeah. appearances at this point have been written by the same author um mm-hmm. and you don't really see you don't feel that she necessarily has warranted that that rapid rise through the ranks. Yeah. Um but then in the aftermath trilogy, Chuck Wendig really gives her some meat, you know. She's at the beginning yes. of the trilogy she's a member of the Imperial Ruling Council. By the end of the trilogy, she's been manipulated by Gallius Rex into trying to chase a false truce with a new republic. Um, you know, tricked into the the all or nothing battle of Jakku. Yes. Saves it saves the planet from destruction destruction but ultimately follows uh, gallius Rex's contingency plan and heads into the unknown regions with what's left of a fleet to try and rebuild mm-hmm. the new order and then eventually becomes one of the first leaders of the first order but you she really gets some meat to her character in that in that trilogy
1: yeah yeah i mean it's yeah so you have to kind of like or they basically just went through all these tiny you know short stories where maybe just they didn't really have the the real estate to to properly develop or give you know like you were saying just uh really explain or or talk about her actual skills we just have to almost take it for granted that she is that she does have all these like abilities um because we do see we do see her um going up the ranks but then we get to aftermath and then we get to really see her and and spend time with her and get to know how she operates a little bit
0: yeah Um, and until then i think we saw and you know it's great i think I think it's she's a focus in in character rather than actions. Yes. So she she's characterized really well, and you can you can understand how a character like that would rise, but you don't yeah. really see what she's what she
1: does. Interesting. And well, so so now we're so she is one of the founding members then of the of the first order. Yeah, I know she's she's, there she's when it mentioned all
0: starts. she's mentioned in a few books, but but you know the kind of. The founding of or the the establishing of the first order hasn't hasn't yeah. really been covered. It's it it happens in a lot of various sources, but there's never been one defining yeah. story.
1: Um. So, but the, and then we don't really know what happens after that either. Then, right? Like, because obviously she's not in the in the sequel trilogy. No, but no. There's, what there's, she worked on led to the sequel trilogy.
0: You know, and there's there are a few sort of um. Young adult books that that cover the first order, um, before the awakening, that came out as part of a journey to Force Awakens, that has a mm-hmm. has a Poe story, uh, sorry, not a Poe story, a Finn story. There's a couple of early pre Force Awakens first order stories, but she's not in. Yeah. She's mentioned, but she's not starring in them.
1: All right. So I mean, yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting. Um... It'll be it'll be interesting to see when they do get to write more of those stories. I mean, obviously, Star Wars right now it's you know the main focus. I think is probably the High Republic, but I'm curious to see when they start hitting more of these uh, you know canon stories that are happening concurrently to the events of the sequel trilogy, and then obviously after that, and see if we can get more race Sloan since she does keep popping in and out of stories. However, we do have someone that. I mean, well he doesn't show up on the sequel trilogy, but I think that was just because the actor didn't want to. <laughs> but Wedge Antilles. He what what do you mean he didn't show up in the sequel trilogy? Oh, no, he did. Sh- <laughs> he did show he showed up. That's true. But I thought he wanted to have a more they wanted to give him a more prominent role instead of just sort of like a quick shot, right?
0: Honestly, I I I don't know the ins and outs, but they they did my boy Wedge a disservice.
1: Yeah, no, because I think that they they had wanted him to have a, an a, an actual role in Episode Seven, so in The Force Awakens, and I think the actor didn't want to be there or something. Yeah, I don't so, think he was.
0: He's never been one of those that sort of. He's never glorified the fact that he was in Star Wars. He's, you know, he's yeah. just a he's a solid working actor. I just, I just don't think he really saw the the fuss to be honest.
1: Yeah. Well, but, you know, so, but the character himself, though, he, I mean, he has a, a very rich history. I mean, yeah, now so we're talking about, about another white man. So, of course, he will have this <laughs> rich history within Star Wars as opposed to, to Ray. Um, but I mean, we're not going to, you know,
0: we're not going to cover too much of his legends <laughs> history because I reckon if we you worked it out, he's probably been in more books and comics than Luke Skywalker. I really do think wow. that. Um, but you know, in Legends, his, his entire history has been has been mapped out. Um, one of the things there's a short story in uh, again the recent from a certain point of view book by Jason Fry that does a great job of kind of squeezing some of his history back into into canon, uh, especially the fact that essentially his parents owned a space petrol station uh, that got raided by bandits and his parents were killed and he jumped in a um, you know T-65 to kill the bandits I and mean, then that's kind of mentioned in the short story uh, mm. and then he goes you know he goes and kind of gets adopted not adopted but hangs around with Booster Terrick for a bit joins the rebellion goes through New Republic becomes a general falls in love with the designer of a sun crusher that Kip Drone used to kill an entire military academy uh, before getting redeemed by Luke Skywalker that didn't really work out for him. And then eventually ends up with uh, Ayeli Wasseri, which, if you read the books, is essentially the love of his life. Oh, Retired okay. by the time New Jedi Order comes along, but gets roped back in. And then there's a really great scene at the beginning of, uh, Legends, of the for- uh, Legends of the Force? Legacy mm-hmm. of the Force okay. series, where he gets basically kidnapped by, you know, the good guys who just want to make sure he doesn't interfere and um, there's there's just some great bands of that's probably one of my favourite Wedge Antilly scenes out of all of Legends. Where okay. he's just sat there going, You do know who I am, right? <laughs> this isn't gonna work <laughs>
1: out well for you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um So
1: that's so that's Legends Wedge.
0: Yeah. And and Canon Wedge Canon Wedge doesn't have nearly as distinguished a career. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well we we do so um we do get a little bit of a backstory on on Wedge, and it does show up in in Rebels, which I thought was super cool. I mean, because I, I I um I watched Rebels before reading any of these you know books or anything like that, so it was like oh that's awesome to find you know get to know some of the characters that we've known for for decades and get some backstory on them. Um, so to me, it was like that was actually a, a a highlight of Rebels was to get to see him there.
0: I'm, I'm trying to remember whether he turns up in uh, the Servant of the Empire series, which again is by Jason Fry. And um, mm-hmm. do you remember the there's a group of episodes where Ezra kind of goes undercover into an Imperial Academy? Yeah. So there's a set of four junior novels that happen sort of concurrently to that. Um, okay. Which are some of the most underrated canon books that have been released. These you know these are aimed at younger readers, but they're okay. so so good and I'm trying to remember whether Wedge is involved in them or not I can't remember off the top of my head well uh,
1: but they're people should read them right
0: oh absolutely and again it's okay that, then it's definitely from check the legs <laughs> it's from the view of the the Imperial Academy so you get that That's imperial awesome. viewpoint of, of normal people like That's Wedge awesome. you know yeah, yeah, um, yeah these these cadets
1: well, that's like, yeah, when Wedge in, in Rebels was a really interesting character. I mean, he shows up and when um, when Sabine is uh, infiltrating the, the Academy. And, you know, they portray him as someone who just, I mean, he didn't seem that bothered by the Empire. He just wanted to be a pilot or something, right? Yeah. But it wasn't until he gun. does the simulation that then he's like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. And that's when he starts questioning his role within the Empire.
0: And I think the the fact that um, Jason Fryers used the same background is it's not the Empire that kills his parents; it's bandits. Yes. and you could see how that could drive someone into the Empire because they yes. chase him at law and order.
1: That's right. That's right. So, but yeah, but I mean, but then we do get a sense that I mean, even though I mean, and I guess maybe similarly to to Ray, it's that they do believe that deep down, you know there is or there can be good within the empire so they join the ranks but then yeah maybe something happens and that that makes them realize that they're not as you know it's not as good or at least for for wedge that it's not as good as he thought and then he decides to join up with the with the rebels
0: yeah and um i i, I can't remember off the top of my head whether we've seen that in canon yet uh what causes wakes to effect. But we know what he does, we know that he reestablishes Rogue Squadron. Um mm-hmm. and what what we know is that he flies, you know, obviously he flies at Endor, he flies at Hoth, he flies at the Battle of Jakku, yes. and then becomes an instructor for pilots. That's um, right. But he falls in love with uh, Nora Wexley, who's a prominent mm-hmm. character from the Aftermath trilogy. So he's technically Snap Wexley's stepdad. Which that's is, again, right. this is where Disney did me wrong. Because you get Wedge cameo straight as the fleet comes into Exegol, but Snap's just died.
1: And yeah, Wedge
0: doesn't bat an eyelid.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: Wasted opportunity.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I really like the, the relationship that it, they established between Snap and Wedge in, uh, in the Aftermath series. And, and also because they brought him back
0: for um, Resistance Reborn. You know, which was that's the big right. tie-in novel. To, that's
1: right. I mean, that's that's a really good book yeah. too. Um, and yeah. Just, so just you have all, all right that with each other.
0: I mean, you just get that split-second cameo yeah. after Snap's death. It.
1: That's right. Yeah. Because uh, Wedge, in Resistance Reborn, Wedge and Nora are in just farmers in some planet, right? Like they were not even trying to be like battling anything. They're just. And, and I loved than... that.
0: Of, you know yeah. of, of anybody who's earned the right to just go you know what I'm out
1: <laughs> yeah and 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 they they kind of join up but then at the end i think they do go back to their farm right or did they i can't remember now if they ended up i feel like they they, they did i think they did what to. they
0: needed to do
1: yeah so then it's a little surprising that he did shows up that he did show up at the end of uh of episode 9 um but, anyways, yeah, I mean, it it, it was cool to see them um, interact in Resist- in Resistance Reborn and in the Aftermath series, and it would have been cool. I mean, just with Snap too, like he he has a really interesting backstory in those books. And, oh yeah, you know, absolutely with his droid and everything. That I would have, I would love to get more of that in uh in live action. So you know, here's to hoping that. Mandalorian is able to bring all these miscellaneous stories that we want to see because um, we, we've pictured them in our minds reading these books so maybe I think they can all, just keep going adding and adding and adding and we get to see everything
0: I, th- I think all Star Wars fans that we need to be careful at the moment but we're not pinning all our hopes on Mandalorian to give us everything, <laughs> everything that we want
1: that's right I <laughs> because mean, they're doing they're, such they're doing a good job good of it job so far man so whatever they do or whatever they're planning i fully support but man it's just i it's there's you know there's the experience of actually just sitting down and watching all these stories like i love reading all the books but there's there's something so cool about being able to visually you know like see it and live it so
0: but uh one one more thing i want to talk about with wedge is for anyone who's read the the rogue squadron and the wraith squadron books i mean the wraith squadron books are incredible and they're the closest that Star Wars ever comes to comedy. The running jokes between them. You've got, you know, you've got Wedge and then you've got his two right hand men, um, Hobby and Jansen. But there's also another book called Starfighters of Adjumar, which I think is set sort of 14 years after Yavin. It's, you know, it's just a one shot. It's not part of a series. It's technically an X Wing book, but it stands alone. And it's one of the funniest books that's ever been written in Star Wars. It's absolutely hilarious. And yeah, it's possibly yeah. in my top five legends books of all time. It's just so good. You know, <laughs> the plot. I, I, you know, some bad guy comes along, the good guys stop him. That's pretty much the plot. Yeah. But it's just the character interaction with the, between these three characters, and there's one point they have to sort of dress up as rednecks on this planet to blend in, and we're all wearing Hawaiian shirts, and it's just incredible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I. I... Yeah, I'll, I'll have to, I mean, I, I do need to get into more Legends, so I'm uh, definitely, I mean, I'll have to see which ones to, to keep going with, but all these sound com- like great way, you know, great ways to get going in with uh, the Legends uh, reading. Well, I've mentioned I mean, I,
0: the, I, the Jason short story from, from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back a couple of times now, but you know that he's obviously in love with the old Rogue Squadron X-Men books, because there's one point we're talking about the canteen in the the cruiser that they're on and they call it the hub because that's where everyone meets and they're talking about the food and they call it hub grub and he he puts in this line where he's like we're talking about hub grub commander hub grub which is a throwback to where they essentially have a dressed up Ewok that they try to fool people is a pilot (laughs) in the race squadron books and it's a running joke and they kind of go yub nub commander Whenever they're winding Ange <laughs> up, and he uses that same sentence, but bases it around a meal, and it's it was just it it That's warmed awesome. my heart. It really did warm my heart. I was I mentioned I was straight on Twitter to Jason Fry and said, "Did you feel nervous about writing this short story because you captured the voice of you know both of those authors who wrote, I think ten X win books between them, and he just yeah. captured the heart and soul of what that series was." in canon I thought okay somebody needs to write more Rogue Squadron books in canon now all
1: right well I'm for it I mean more Star Wars is always a good thing and uh you know that's what we try to push for um in Utini right like everyone should be reading all these stories and books and playing the video games and just you know keep expanding the knowledge and uh and um just the history of Star Wars right
0: And hopefully we'll point people in some really random directions during this
1: podcast. (laughs) That's right. Well, I think that's about, you know, that about covers it for today, unless you have anything else to that you want to bring up or? Damn, we've talked about a lot. (laughs) We have. So, all right. So let's, yeah, let's just call that a. Call that a day. Um, that's it for today's episode. And, you know, like we mentioned through the episode, we will be providing the links and pictures to all these books that Trevor has mentioned today. We will put them up on our Instagram and Twitter accounts. So please make sure to follow us um, at uh, SW Archives Pod on both platforms. If you have any questions or ideas for future episodes, you can also shoot us an email at dswarchives@gmail.com. at gmail.com or send us a note on Discord. I don't have anything specific to plug today on my end, but you can follow me on Twitter. Jose, at, you've uh, always got merch to plug, what's going on? Well, there's always merch, I am wearing some merch right now, but I was gonna get to that <laughs> when I talk about my Instagram. Oh, sorry, sorry. But my Twitter is at the joxy, and that's spelled you know T-H-E-J-O-X-I-I-I. But if you do follow my Instagram, and in there, I am the Jose Jimenez. But there you can see selfies of me wearing UTD merch, which you can get at utd.com slash merch. And uh, you'll see me there most recently wearing the Mustafar t-shirt, which I think is one of my most clever ones. Um, and you can also see a bunch of pictures of my dog Mo, who looks like an Ewok. So there you go. It's still on brand. Um, Trev. Where, where can people find you? Okay,
0: so I'm at Davey Todd on Twitter, um, or you'll just find me hanging out on our Discord. I'm, I'm pretty active on there and various channels. So, yeah, come and, come and chat. Join in. Awesome, man.
1: Well, okay, so that covers it. Radio out.